guys, there are a bunch of people who are out in the world in their they're in their homes and um they're thinking you know i i want to i want to do something new in photography that i haven't done before and i was just listening to an episode of the uh sunny 16 backing paper and there was a description by um, one of the listeners, and I apologize that I did not pick up on your name. But one of the listeners uh, did it des- designed a an enlarger made from trash. So here's my question to you guys: First of all, how would you make an enlarger from items that are around the house? And number two. What other darkroom things can you make from household goods, from stuff that's just laying around? Wait, Nick, or Graham, is this uh, stuff laying around in most people's houses or stuff laying around in my house? Yeah, no, not your, yeah, most people's houses. This mm, is, that uh, makes it much uh, harder. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, Nick, you can't say I would just take my Omega enlarger and dust it off. That doesn't count. So you're talking about homemade darkroom gear with with just regular stuff. Well, that's reasonable. I mean, you know, most people have a light and some kind of cardboard, this and that and the other thing. So, sure. Yeah. um, But what are you going to do with the light? How how are you going to make it red? How are you going to or you could. Uh, you know, no, I'm talking about making it enlarger. I mean, yeah, make, making no. it red, making it red, making it red. No, I, I was going with darkroom equipment, but how, how are you guys going to make it enlarger? What are you going to do to make it enlarger? So, uh, the enlarger components are a light source, a place to hold the negative, and a lens yeah, and a lens, focusing device. Lens so, is the hardest part. Well, I, I think that you could probably use, you know, if you're doing 35 millimeter. You can just use a nifty fifty. Oh well, then um, just, yeah. Okay, if that's a if that's a household item, then sure. Oh yeah. Okay, so that's the the optical components obviously have to be a photographic lens. Um, but what are you doing for the light? What are you doing for the focusing element? What are you doing or for diffuser? Uh, yeah. diffuser? Yeah, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm asking. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking. <laughs> well, I was just I'm back on the I'm back on the red light. I think some cheap okay. red vinegar inside a uh, clear bottle can be your red light uh, lens a filter. Okay. Any reason why it's vinegar and not water? Because it's vinegar's red. Oh, oh, see, you're, you're <laughs> doing red wine vinegar. I was thinking for some reason that you're gonna drop in some food coloring or something like that, but that might work as well. Just yeah. food coloring. Ring. Right, uh, how, but how much you know the you'd have to experiment. You'd need a pretty yeah. thick layer of it, yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, so, so that's your safe light. Um, one of the things I was thinking about developing trays is if you have uh, glass sixteen by nine cake pans, that would work for a developing tray, or even like um, a glass pie plate kind of thing or even a ceramic one i guess for that matter ceramic might stain um so you know uh that might run into some problems 
Um, I well, think that, I mean, know, if, you, or, if you have to, you can make trays. I mean, you just yeah. need something waterproof and some cardboard and tape and, you know, you could do it. Yeah. OK, so you could do it. You could do it with a garbage bag and mm. um, and the bottom of, a you know, a box from Amazon because everybody has boxes from Amazon today, you know. Um, so. So, yeah, that would be OK. So you have your trays. We have the trays sorted. We have the uh, the red light sorted. The, the red uh, light lava lamp. Yep. Yeah, there we go. I think that you might have a little bit of leakage on a red light lava lamp. Um, but maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, it would certainly set the mood. Um, mm-hmm. So what else uh, do you think that we could come up with? Um, well, what, I've got a so timer. We, oh, a timer. Yeah, well, your phone can work as a timer. Well, how are you gonna uh, How are you gonna hook your phone up to the enlarger? Oh, you're talking about manual. Just watch it. And yeah. The, man- the phone just might th- phone might throw too up. much light though. Well, okay. Can I use my drawer full of microcontrollers and relays? No. Yes. And <laughs> okay, then I'm gonna build an enlarger timer that's okay. an Arduino Nano, uh, OLED LCD screen, three buttons, and a relay that will turn on and off my enlarger timer. Also, I'll add to it a um, a LDR light dependent resistor and uh, make a densitometer on that unit. Or, or how about or a gran- grandfather take... clock and a mousetrap? Yeah, we could do that. We, mm-hmm. we all have iPhones. Um, you can go. You can download um, the massive dev chart, and that has a timer built in. Um, Is so your phone going to expose on the? That uh... No, no, no. You can switch it to night. You can switch it or, to LED safe. You just, or you, you just, just have like to put a baggie of that red vinegar <laughs> that you're. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just dump it in the bag. Yeah. Um, OK, so you guys are not taking this very. seriously. No, I'm taking it seriously. I just have more electronics than you guys do. Yeah, oh, so I you, mean, if that. Yeah, I mean, I've got three darkroom timers, too. So, like, get away with this. Yeah. All right. Okay, so, so uh, I like so no, I do like the principle that you started with, which is that we have that this is the idea that someone is stuck in an apartment without a big, you know, yeah. huge closet full of camera gear. I think that's that's a good suggestion. I mean, for, if you really are DIY with the absolute minimum, you could make a uh, an hourglass essentially or a set of hourglasses, you know, um, mm-hmm. that you could flip over in sequence or whatever. I mean, okay, okay, so I think if if we're doing this at home, right? Or you and you're, just sing a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> happy birthday three times is the exposure. Uh, happy birthday yeah. thrice at F8. Um, exactly. No, I, th- I think so on a, on a more reasonable level, everybody has a broken camera. And even if they don't have a broken camera, they have the camera that they shot the negs with originally, mm. right? And so it's just a matter of building a little cardboard um you know, pyramid to hold the light source and maybe a diffuser, like a piece of wax paper, or I would use a piece of white acrylic. And I would, you know, just uh, mount my camera looking down vertically, put the film on the film gate, and then use a cardboard light source. Um, I would use an Arduino and a densitometer, but also you could just turn the light on and off. Or even if you had like, um, you know, a 1970s camera, you could probably change one of the resistors in the RC circuit that changes how 
long the shutter is open for and use the shutter as the as the timer oh i have an idea that was like a broken or um, or or what if you just you know stick it on bulb you know and do that um uh, what about, and, and what and, about having yeah. a long cardboard mailing tube and then the light bulb is on a cord and you can just pull it farther and farther away to reduce the string? <laughs> I like that. You could do that. But so yeah, I have, that's, that, that's nice. I have maybe four or five uh, Yashica Electro 35 GSNs, uh, which you can buy for nothing because their capacitors dry out and their LDRs die. Um, and they're worthless, but I did make a tutorial on YouTube, how to add manual shutter speeds to your Yashica Electro, uh, G series, which, uh, was my first YouTube video, I believe. And you can pull that thing out and change one resistor and change its shutter speed at will, uh, either with a potentiometer or, you know, I added some discrete resistors in a multi-position switch to change the time. But, um, you could change those or you could change the capacitor in the RC circuit to get, you know, minutes of time if you wanted. I think that's a perfect camera, right? It has a 45 millimeter one eight lens that you can stop down. It's very sharp. You can buy those cameras broken on eBay for $5, something like that. Um, I would make an enlarger out of one of those. Mm-hmm. And it's- okay. Uh, yeah, there's something, I, I think that, I, I really like that. For one of the, one of the things that I really like about this is that all of these cameras come with a tripod screw. So, you know, you've got your height adjustment. Um, now, you might have to, to play around with how your tripod's set up. Um, but, it, you know, yeah, again. I, w- I would put my tripod horizontally, like on a shelf. In fact, I do this yeah. often and just like tape yeah. it to the shelf so it's horizontal because i don't have a real good boom rig or you yeah could, or you could just uh take the you know a, a quarter 20 bolt stick it through a piece of plywood and clamp it to a vertical two by four i mean yeah. you know yeah or or okay. three a bracket which is something i will probably do for my uh rostrum setup mm-hmm. yeah and Okay. And, and, if, and so, if you wanted to really screw around, you could put the whole ball head on your vertical, and then you could even do, you know, trapezoidal mm-hmm. projection stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that those, you know, that's all really good working. Uh, I went to pull some of my SLRs out, and they're off in another room. Um, but the, um, uh, but I have my Voigtlander Bessa R3M. And one of the things that uh, that I was worried about was the door. If the door doesn't open, you know, like 180 degrees, then the door's in your way. I think you could probably build around that. A lot yeah. of doors um, pop right off. Yeah. I found yeah. out. Quite a few of them. Like a wide off. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them uh, pop right off if you drop it from a height. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, okay, so that's 35 millimeter solved. Now, I have, um, let me see. Well, yeah, no millimeters, whatever size negative you have, right, you probably right. have the camera that produced it, which means right. you could build an enlarger from that camera at whatever size. Right. That camera that Graham just sent me, that has a back that comes right off and gets out of the way, and it takes, uh, you know, a nice big piece of film. Yeah. Um, I have a Bronica ECTL. Um, 
And uh, I realize just now, as I'm looking at it, I have never taken the back off this camera. I don't even know how you take the back off this camera. Um, Quite a few of them. But, there's a, a little, a little uh, way that the hinge just dislocates and comes right off. Yeah. No, it's yeah. It comes well, off like a, you know, like a it's a medium format system. Uh, although the ECTL, I would suggest that you drop it from a height. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm, I'll drop this from oh, you, a height, you know, about two feet above your head. If probably you, make it work is, better. That's a terrible. Oh, oh you you're talking about a, if it so has a wrong. film. If you have it, if it has a film back, then the the register is wrong. If you take the Even, back off, so okay. Well, there's cardboard for that, Nick. Right. Yeah. Cardboard right. Covers. Exactly. Well, and who cares whether the register is wrong a little bit? You're focusing on something you're looking at. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, pretty close. Yeah. OK. Um, so. Uh, so anyway, um, and, and Ethan, you're wrong. This is the pinnacle of the Hasselblad like uh, no, camera. No, definitely not. Ca- the, ca- I'm not even a fan of the newer Bronicas like the SQ and the ETRS and the GS. But like, the, yeah, the thing about the the original like ECTL and like the S series Bronicas is they're so old. In my camera buying days, I've literally bought thousands of cameras, and I had never seen one of these that's not like gummed or jammed. They're just super unreliable by now. I I would almost rather have a Kiev 88, which I've also never seen a working model of. Um, okay. Yeah. So they I were bought. They were bought by cheaps. Hand. They were bought by cheapskate pros that used the crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. They were really beat to hell. Every <laughs> right. one of them I've ever seen. Okay. Well, my ECTL is perfect and it's wonderful and I love it. And, um, well, and marry Ethan, it, I don't like you anymore. Well, I'm kidding, <laughs> I am. I don't see why I shouldn't. Um, so okay, so so that's definitely um, that's definitely a way of working. And uh, you know, with uh, if if you're talking large format, a four by five, um, uh, intrepid. I mean, all they did was make an LCD panel for the back, right? Um, and uh, so, the, you know, you, I, I think that that's pretty much done. So uh, if you are out there and you've been thinking, hey, I want to do a, um, I want to build a dark room, you, you've got one built into your camera. Uh, we just, you know, or, or in, you want to work with an enlarger, you have one built into your camera. And, um, uh, yeah. And, you know, you can, you can buy, uh, like I have a Vivitar 4000, V4000S, which is, um, you know, it's a Cosina. It was the Nikon FM10. It was, um, uh, you know, this particular one happens to be a K mount and it came with, uh, uh, 50 millimeter 1.9, uh, for shipped for under 30 bucks. And um, so there's your enlarger right there. You pull the door off. You break the plastic. Um, you I, take I make everything. One other together. suggestion. Yeah, if, sure. If you have like a larger camera, like let's say a four by five, or I have an eight by ten, and even in a closet somewhere an eleven by fourteen, and I have plans for going bigger, and you have a light box, right? You could right. do it Afghan box style and mm-hmm. put your negative on a light box and rephotograph it onto paper through the camera without modifying the camera at all, and then develop that image. 
Right. Use that's it as sure. a backwards monitor. Right. Sure. Yeah, that's um, uh, that's and you could also uh, switch formats doing mm-hmm. that. So you could take a 35 millimeter negative and uh, just macro the hell out of it and, yep. um, you know, and make it, you know, onto a four by five. Yeah, absolutely. That is a great idea. It reminds uh, me of, I don't know, have you seen the, uh, it's the Polaroid MP3, not their later MP3 players, but the uh, no. copy camera? Um, no. So they had a, a copy camera that was a Polaroid, and basically it, it did this, right? It, it was for copying prints, uh, but, you know, I don't see why you couldn't swap out a slide and a light box. Um, but it was this sort of 4 by 5 camera that looked a lot like an enlarger, which, by the way, if you have one, would make a great enlarger. Um, but it, it just, it was for making, you know, peel apart Polaroid copies of things. And, uh, yeah, it worked, it worked like a backwards enlarger. It was great. Um, I never used one like that, but I certainly have pulled a lot of lenses and shutters and bellows and things off of those cameras back in the day when they were basically free to make other things. Yeah, I'm not finding anything for Polaroid MP3. Might be the not MP4. an MP4. Oh, okay. No, oh, it's video. <laughs> no, it's uh, they're rare these days. A lot of them went in, yeah. into the trash. But like, if you found like um, they usually had these wacky couple yeah. shutters that you could only trip with a cable release, and they had um, like Rodenstock Saron 127s on them that were very sharp. Or 75s, like what I have right here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a Primator um, self-cocking. Um, shutter. Exactly. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so how would a so a Polaroid Cine camera would basically be like a flip book. I mean, <laughs> 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 you'd need to ha- you'd need to hire a mime, you know, to <laughs> to be the model. Just just think of all the production assistants that you'd have to hire to shake the Polaroid while it was being developed. <laughs> okay, so uh, yes, and I do know you're not supposed to do that. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, I do see the MP4. Um, uh, and it, it, every picture that I see is essentially on a, on a light stand or on a copy, copy stand. stand. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes, uh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Copy, um, so, copy yeah. stands are great. Everyone should have one set up. Uh, I've yeah. got a, an official one that I got for 15 bucks at a photo store near here and i yeah. it's just great because it's always set up you can just go stick your camera whatever camera you want on it and bam yeah i've been thinking about okay. buying a copy stand as just like a desktop rostrum setup for video to shoot my hands from above well, that's a good idea I, um i converted um the base of the Miaptra um Miapta, excuse me, enlarger into a copy stand. Yep. Uh, so that I could shoot negatives on a light table. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, enlarger basically is a copy stand. That's... Right. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, what do you say we start homemade camera? Let's do it. All right.
record this, uh, yesterday was the Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day. WPPD is the hashtag uh, that you should be looking at. Uh, and we have, and uh, as as a result of that, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about pinholes, uh, pinhole cameras. I, I love pinhole cameras. They're uh, quite a bit of what I... Uh, uh, quite a bit of the reason why I got into homemade cameras and, and making my own homemade cameras. So, uh, I, for yesterday's, um, worldwide pinhole photography day, I built a camera and well, I, I built it on the chassis of a, uh, Kraken 612 and it's a three pinhole um setup and it is uh what i call the kraken 612 triclops and the idea with this is uh it uses three different pinholes um and they are i mean they're all the same these are uh 0.15 millimeter um and they have a shutter that slides horizontally across the the front of the camera and so all together, they are exposed all at once. Then within the camera, I have dividers. So the dividers will separate out uh, the image into three different images. So it's not a blender. Uh, it's not three different pinhole uh, images that are uh, all recorded on, on one piece of film as one continuous image. Uh, but it is three separate images. And uh, so what this is, is it's just a um, essentially a flat plate for the front of the uh, Kraken 612. And it uh, and I have holes, uh, one hole for each one of the pinholes. And then I uh, actuate a shutter and the shutter is simply a piece of uh, plastic that again has three areas of openness. So there are three much larger holes. And, By areas of, um, oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, there are three much larger holes so that when I slide it, all three of those pinholes are exposed at once. And the idea with this is um, um, you, you, you get kind of a stereo image and you can use any two of those images to create a stereo image. Um, but also you get, um, what was it that you were uh, uh, calling it earlier? Uh, a a flick, flipogram? A fl wiggle-gram. Uh, wiggle-gram. There yeah, we what go. Is, what is a wiggle-gram other than you? Yeah. So a wiggle-gram is when you take uh, stereo pairs of images and you make them into an animated GIF, right? So if it's two, it goes one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. If it's three, it goes one, two, three, two, one, two, three, two, one, two, three, two. If it's four, it's one, two, three, four, three, two, one, two, three, four, one, you know, and yeah, back so, and forth. So right? are these super fast so that like, like cinema speed? They're, no, they're not cinema speed. That would be a little bit too fast. There's something like, I don't know, five frames a second around that. You can yeah. you can play with it, but around five frames a second, you wind up getting um, stereo perception out of a 2D screen. And even with one eye, 
Um, sometimes, like, if you watch a cat hunt or, like, running around your house, um, you'll see it, like, sort of duck down into, like, about the pounce position, and it'll move its head side to side. And what it's doing is getting uh, super stereo perception, right? So uh, when it wiggles its head... That. Yeah, yes, a lot yes. of animals. Do. Owls do that, too, um, yeah. So they get a, a really sort of enhanced uh, perspective on the depth of a scene so they know, you know, how to how to do their killing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it, 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 it's a way of presenting stereo without using glasses um, with the, um, the, the dual color, uh, you know, the red, red, blue. Um, yeah. Um, or with the uh, magic eye where you got to cross your eyes or you have to look yeah. straight on it, or, or anything like that. It's a, it it's became a, really popular on Instagram, right? Yeah. And, and there was a time pre Instagram when I was buying and selling cameras, when, the Nimslo was a five dollar camera, and now it's like <laughs> two or three hundred bucks because people are right. scanning the images and using them as wiggle grams on Instagram. I had a uh, a friend who tried to give me a Nimslo, and it was like, ah, I'm not really into that, and I gave it back. And this has got to be about four years ago, and now I'm thinking, oh, dumbass. Um, and for well, have, yeah, it could have been a two hundred dollar right. in air, so right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a suggestion for your name of the camera. You you've got uh, calling it Triclops, but you should yes. add you should add Predator to that since this is basically the what Triclops Predator. Oh yeah. my! The, but that means it's the Kraken Six Twelve Triclops Predator. Yeah, that's good. I'll, we'll go with that. Well, what about uh, the Wiggle Graham? <laughs> yeah, that's right. There we go. Uh, yeah, but we we'll have to spell it like uh, Graham Jago spells his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so it, with um, with Worldwide Pinhole Day, uh, I had talked a little bit about exploring the different opportunities that I have with that uh, with doing using the the Kraken 612 body and different pinholes. And uh, I think at one point I, I told Ethan I was going to make a a pinhole out of it. And he just about, he was apoplectic with the idea of why would you make a pinhole from a, a camera that can do, can create such, um, such, I think good quality is what you were trying to say. I was, I was saying like, you made a beautiful camera and now you're crippling the firmware. Like, uh, right. But I came around, I, I really love the idea of it. My thoughts and, and encouraging you or work. I was encouraging you earlier to uh, make the quad clops. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking um, now uh, my problem is that my pinhole drilling um, drills are at work. And that's, um, you know, that is a building that apparently I can get get that Amazon prime baby. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, we'll see whether or not it's, um, you know, depreciated um, uh, shipping time on that. Um, but you know, I could do, uh, I'm thinking I could do eight. So, uh, two rows of four. Um, and, and let me talk a little bit about the inspiration for this. We, there is a book that, uh, Nick turned me onto and it's the invented camera. I believe it's the invented camera. Uh, just a second. I'm going to go grab the book. 
I don't think that's the title. If it is, it's a, you should tell me about it because I don't know that one. Uh, let me see. Is it the invented camera? I'm flipping through. If, no, it's not the invented camera. Oh yeah, it is. Well, um, oh, it's a camera. No, that's not. What's the name of the book? Um, yeah, it's called the invented camera. It's Joe Babcock. Now this is a good book. Oh, I don't. But have there's to... another one. Um, there's another one that. I got uh, and but anyway, it's a it's an experimental camera book, and the um, the inspiration for this was really uh, a camera that was made from um, ice cube trays, and you would put a piece of film or a piece of paper in the back of each one of the tray slots, and then there would be over each one of the um uh what am i trying to say over each one of the uh tray Cube slots bumps. there would be a lens um and so what that is going to do is that is going to create um a series of pictures in a long row which i think nick is going to get to in our next segment is a similar camera, a similar concept where you, it, it's not just three, it's not four, but this would be eight or 10 little cells that you could take at once and do that back and forth. Um, uh, uh, wiggle gram. There we go. For some reason I wasn't um, uh, coming up with that. So and I have so a, I, have, I, was, I had a thought while you're in the middle of this wiggle gram. Yeah. Um, if you make your own pinholes at home and they come out slightly different sizes, that'll just give you a nice old-fashioned flickering effect. Right. Because right. the exposure will be slightly different. That would drive me crazy. <laughs> yes. See, so it's useful, and, so, and, it's, and yes. it goes with the name. I mean, Wigglegram <laughs> is meant to drive you crazy, Ethan. Yeah. That's right. You know, so um, I have a product that I would like to make based on a Joe Van Cleve camera, uh, which I call the Advent camera. Um, he did this amazing job. He had like a, I don't know, it was a wooden box, uh, roughly eight and a half by 11 or eight by 10. And he made nine dividers to, to do like, you know, like an advent calendar. And he used pieces of glued copper pipe with copper end caps. And he said like the really tricky part to do was making all of the, uh, pinholes the same size so he could get, you know, consistent exposure and I don't know how he did this. Like, I expected his pictures to be really crappy from it and just have, like, you know, my success rate with pinholes is, like, one or two per roll of film, which most of my pictures are bad with pinholes. I'm not I'm not a great pinholer, you know. Once in a and, while, and I get something I like. It, it may be that you don't have an eye for it, um, that, that they don't thrill you. And one of the things that I love about the pinhole is, is that it is not a pristine photograph and there well, are, you know, you, your finger in it and you move yeah. it and all that type I mean, of but stuff. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Usually like oh, I just, okay. you know, guess the exposure wrong on a few, you know, and I, I will often like, if I'm shooting pinhole and like roll film, I'll shoot two or three at different exposure times and get one. But Joe managed to shoot a bunch of these pictures where he shot nine frames absolutely perfectly. Like, Perfect exposure, perfect focus, not that there is focus. And also just like really good, like he had thought out nine perfect frames and how they were going to go on the 
on the one piece of film and like how they would relate to each other. Um, they're in a YouTube video that uh, we did together reviewing his uh, box cameras. And I, I really love that camera. I love what he came up with it. And um, it's one of my laser cutter camera projects. I think I'll probably try and release it by Christmas uh, or uh-huh. like a few weeks before so people can shoot a picture every day as like an advent calendar. Or maybe I'll make an eight-frame Hanukkah camera. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> so, so one thing about that design is that the copper end caps are really thick compared to the typical uh you know, piece of metal. That oh, he was, use. he was using brass shim stock as oh, the okay. pinhole and okay. just using the end caps as shutters. I was thinking that I would overcome this problem by <clears throat> 3d printing like an orifice, much like the pinholio, um, so that you could use the same pinhole and just move it around, um, from port to port, but we'll see how I wind up tackling it eventually. Okay. So uh, there are there are many different options um, that we can do with this type of multi pinhole um, approach. One of the things is I have it right now so that when I have the slide, uh, I actuate the slide. It is um, all three are exposed at the same time, but I could stagger the holes so that they. Um, you know, that I could uh, expose one at a time. And for one thing, that would give me... Yeah, yeah, well, but you would also have time uh, as as an an element. (laughs) You could make some medieval triptychs. Right, right. In um, early on, probably episode four or five, we did an episode with the 500 cameras book. And we went through and we talked about the the different cameras. And one of the cameras that's in the 500 cameras book is um, a what they called uh, the postage stamp camera. And the postage stamp camera was like, I think it was eight by 10 in size. Um, but with that eight by 10, there were 24 different cells, each exposed and I think it was pinhole or it was very small, you know, meniscus lens or something, something like that. And they would uh, and the idea is that you would expose them all at once as a reproduction of a source. So, um, you know, you would think of it as um, uh, if you it was exactly what uh, you were talking about with the Afghan box camera for a, a moment ago. Um, where you are talking about a source of some image and you would expose 24 miniature versions of whatever that image was with this camera. Um, and so I was talking about that. We, we had a meeting um, and I, uh, about a week ago, we were talking about what we were going to talk about for this episode. And so I was mentioning that as an idea for the the triclops of what eventually became the triclops and um you know sure enough two days later nicole small um she's on instagram as nicole small all one word underscore one on one i was just looking this up to put this in the notes (laughs) i have those queued up in my browser right now she's making really really cool cameras but what's more to the point that photographs she makes are really excellent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think 
we, should, we need to get I, her on the show. I don't see there's any any reason you why have we should twice ever now beat me to what I was gonna say is uh, <laughs> I, I've actually uh, video chatted with Nicole once or twice. Um, uh-huh. She is a hospital worker in Montreal, so she's a little hard to um, oh. get on my lazy boy schedule. But yeah, um, I mean what what she's doing is really interesting to me, and she's been experimenting with. Um, direct positives as well and i'm really excited to see like what she builds in terms of cameras and and then you know how she uses them in terms of uh, direct positives and paper negatives and such all things very close to my heart right yeah uh so and so it was a little bit of a, a coincidence but it also if you go to instagram and uh it, it'll be in the show notes as well uh, if you look at her feed, you'll see that camera that has all of those pinholes. Now, one of the things that I love about her pinholes, uh, pinhole cameras or uh, even, you know, uh, other cameras, is that she builds them out of cardboard. I mean, just plain old, um, you know, uh, box cardboard. And so they have a little bit of a temporary working uh, life, I would assume. Uh, I believe... I heard her interviewed on maybe it was the Lensless podcast. It may have been one of the other podcasts. And she was talking about how her um, she's taken them out in the in the rain and they've disintegrated. But it is a uh, you know, that is um, definitely uh, a, a place to, to go to see um, w- one of those. Um, and, I you know, I think I'm going to continue playing with the. Uh, with the face plates for the Kraken 612, and we'll see um, see how they come up. Um, one other person that I wanted to talk about, um, just this last episode of the Lensless podcast, um, the guy behind PinholeBlender.com, and um, that's also his handle on Instagram is PinholeBlender. Um, they had him on, his name's Chris Paragoy, and he um, uh, talked a lot um, about um, doing the pinhole blenders, and and he does them as an um, as an anamorphic. Um, he usually uses a, a round device, and then he has the film wrapped around a a, a cylinder in the center, and um, that cylinder in the center has uh, then three or four pinholes um, where it's exposed around and and they get exposed um, uh, either all at once or in sequence. Uh, so that's something something else uh, th- that you can do. And one of the great things about pinholes, let's talk a little bit about making pinholes. We've done this before, but if we have some new listeners, um, you can get um, micro drills. And the micro drills are for drilling um, uh, printed circuit boards. That's what, Ethan, isn't that what you got yours for? Yeah, just just search for PCB drill or PCB PCB drill bit on Amazon. You can find them in all sorts of holes. They're for vias and through hole components. Yeah, and you want something that is um, three, uh, three tenths of a millimeter and below. So um, like a, a, a one-tenth millimeter, 0.1 millimeter, 0.15 point, those are the ones that you really want to get. I, um, I like the 0.2 at about 45 millimeters is, is 
what I'm Excellent. very happy with. But also, yeah. I mean, if you're building big pinhole cameras, they make these drill bits up to like 1.5 millimeters in diameter. So, right. you know, you, you can make some so, 8x10s like that. Yeah, or, well, 8x10s I think are um, are are better a little bit smaller than that. Well, 4x5s, excuse me, I'm sorry, I haven't done an 8x10. It depends but, on the um, length, right? But Heather Oklaus, um, wasn't she saying she had a 1.5 millimeter hole for Little Miss Sunshine? And that's a 30 minute exposure on what would be by 10, probably in feet. <laughs> no, yeah. or four by five in feet. Um, so, um, you know, it, so it doesn't, the hole doesn't have to be as big. Um, and, but you can drill these and the material. There are a couple of ma- different materials. Uh, ideally, you're going to put it in brass shim stock, so ah, it is very aluminum thin. can. Okay, well, but here's here's what I was going to say is what what the brass will do is it will give you a very smooth uh, final hole. But if you take pie pans, um, the bottom of the aluminum pie pan, you get the flat area and you drill a hole in those. Um, it is much easier. It'll take you about a tenth of the time or even less than a tenth of the time it would to drill through brass. And, I would, and I would further that. argue that better than a pie pan is just like a soda can or a beer can if you, you know, cut the side off and, and, and flatten and it out. And I've done that as well. I have um, three of them that I've drilled right now that are 1.5s that are sitting on my desk or 0.15s, not 1.5s, 0.15s. And, um, and then, uh, you go to, uh, you do a Google image search, Mr. Pinhole and, um, pinhole calculator. And that will give you what your F stop is, um, for figuring it out. And then one other thing, and Ethan, I was going to tell you about this when you were talking about uh, overexposed, underexposed, and all that type of thing. Um, there is, for your phone, there's a, an app called Pinhole Assist, and that will give you res, uh, uh, recipro- reciprocity failure times. It will give you, um, uh, you know, uh, all, all the times that you need for, for calculation on those types of things. So uh, so this is something that, that I mean, it, it, first of all, uh, Worldwide Pinhole Day was yesterday, so so if you miss that, don't worry. Or you could just fudge it. Who the hell's going to know whether you did it a week later, right? Um, but um, uh, these are these are really good things to do in um, you know at home when you're stuck at home. So uh, so anyway, that's the uh, that's my little thing on on pinholes. So I just had this idea pop into my head the other day uh, about making cameras that used a roll of film, either 35 millimeter or or uh, 220 or whatever, that is stretched out into its full length instead of having it wind from one spool to another. And then I started thinking of different configurations for that. The first one that came into my head was a ring. So you take, say, a roll of 
you know, uh, 120 film or 35 millimeter, and you you put it inside a, a donut shaped uh, container that isn't square in cross section, um, so that the film is wrapped around and to form a cylinder. And then uh, the first version, the camera travels around the outside of that, exposing one frame after another. So you're instead of transporting the film, you're transporting the camera. Um, so it, the problem so the with camera it, itself, the camera itself would be a lens and a shutter system. Yes, yeah, so um, you, could, you could put okay. a lens in a shutter system or you could use a pinhole, which would actually make more sense because the difficulty of oh, this camera is that the film is bowed the wrong way. It's bowed. You're you're running around the outside of a cylinder. Well, I guess you could make one that shot towards the middle, but that would be kind of weird. I mean, I guess it would be a selfie camera, which you could wear around your head like an umbrella. Or, but there's or, a, or there's you could a have a big radius that wasn't a full ring, right? Yeah, but yeah. the the radius is determined by the length of the roll film, so it's not going to be that big of a well, radius. Well, no, I mean, the radius could be if it has to be a full ring, right? But you could just have uh, an arc segment that's, you know, six feet long on a roll of 35 millimeter, but that has, like, you know, 200-foot radius, basically a board. Right? Oh, sure. Flat. So, yeah, so the, the other version of this camera is one where the, the film is stretched out flat, and so you're right, it could be any radius you want. But the point is that the fact that, I like the cylindrical one. We'll get to that because you can do 360 panorama with it. Um, but there are two ways to do it. One way, is, and because the film is bent uh, the wrong way, so to speak, you want a lot of depth of field, and it's going to create an anamorphic effect, probably, depending on the lens, you know, that you're using. So, but that's fun. Like, that's part of the point of this experiment. And one version is the camera that, that travels around. So then you're getting a sequence of shots. So they're, you know, spread apart in time. But with pinholes, you might as well have, if you wanted to, uh, pinholes every so often that would uh, create a simultaneous 360-degree uh, panorama um, for whatever, you know. I mean, nothing's simultaneous with a pinhole because it's a long exposure. It's, gonna, it's not going to handle moving subjects, but it would let you shoot in all directions at once or sequentially going around in a circle and create a really long panoramic image. And as you pointed out, the art could be change to any radius you want and then another version is a flat straight long piece of film with either a traveling camera or a series of pinholes um, i love it, this it, idea it's just i just like the idea of having it's super simple like one moving part you know it, it's a it's the the simplest film transport i've ever thought of and and it's a funny shape but then that would lead you to maybe shoot differently and try different things uh, and I like the ring a lot because you could kind of wear it, you know, um, with like a, like a, <laughs> like the way that, you know, depression era barrel was worn with suspenders <laughs> or, or, or the hoop, uh, the clown's hoop um, yeah, that right. for his pants. Yeah, yeah I think, exactly. you know, with something so, and, and I think a lens version would be really interesting to play with, too. Um, and uh, and then I have seen a camera that someone made some time ago that was a pinhole camera that was, I think, a Pentagon that had uh, it shot four or five flat negatives all pointing, you know, in every direction in a circle. Uh, and it made beautiful, interesting images. Um, so this is an idea that's happened before, but I've only seen it done uh, with with a series of flat plates. This would be uh, the idea of curbing it is, you know, as it turns it into also an anamorphic effect, I think, to some extent, depending on the lens, depending on focal length, all that stuff. But it's a it's something that would be really fun to make and could be extremely simple. The pinhole version, you know, 
it's just a cylindrical box uh, with a sliding part that goes around the circle. Yeah, uh, so or a whole, yeah. Nick, have you seen Joe Van Cleve's, uh, I, I call it like the carousel camera. It looks like a speak and say, and he made it out of a cookie tin. No, I haven't. So he's got, uh, it works a little bit differently and he's using flat film planes, but I mean, it's, it's a very simple mod of what he's got to, to make what you're talking about, which is he's one of those round grandma sugar cookie tins that they like to keep sewing equipment in or mine did. Sure. Mm-hmm. And on the inside, he had like a, you know, film or paper holder that went, uh, it had like a pivot on the bottom and then an axle that went through the lid of the cookie sheet. And then he cut out like, um, a board with a, <clears throat> with a triangular tip, like an arrow, like a speak and say, mm-hmm. and you spin it around and you can, you know, by putting the arrow in different positions, expose different pieces of the film or paper to the pinhole. So it's um, same same basic idea, except you're rotating the film cylinder instead of moving the camera. Yeah, right? and, yep. and he was also using flat sheets of paper on like a, you know, uh, carousel four ways. But but I could see you taking a cookie tin like this and making a smaller circle inside that you could spin around. I think that would be, you know, a really easy way to make that camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to do it, too. That's, a, that's, a, that's some sugar probably cookies, easier to make it light tight. Too. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So anyway, this seems like a really fun thing to play with. And I think starting out with the real simple pinhole version is is uh, is really interesting. Although if you worked it out to do it with a lens and there's lots of ways to do it. So you could wrap the film around a uh, of uh, you could wrap the film onto a sh- carefully shaped uh start with a disc that then had flat places you know uh, cut into it so that the f- you could create a whole series of flat film planes going around a circle if you wanted to get uh you know a more normal look with a with a lens uh with a lens and shutter arrangement um rotating the rotating the carousel inside it is a good idea although i still really like the idea of having a donut so that you can insert yourself into the middle to operate it um, so <laughs> i you know i uh, nick i'm beginning to be very disturbed by your wearable cameras uh i think, I think i'm disturbed that have, there are none in the world yet well yeah, yeah okay i want to wear a camera too. yes um, well it's it's I, really what's really driving me crazy is that this supposed time off that we're having right now is turning out to be more bu- busy and more sort of desperately filled with things I need to do than my freaking regular life before. So that's, that's pretty annoying, but exactly. also like what, what ball are you going to wear this camera to? Exactly. All exactly. dressed up in a giant Which, camera and nowhere to go. So I used to work for Whichever a, a, one he gets uh, invited to, I think is, is the, is the answer to that. Right. I used to work for a brick Mason who was also kind of a poet and a short story writer. And he, he often referred to the basic principle of dancing in the circle of your own delight, which is pretty much what we're stuck with these days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That could be interpreted many different ways. That's right. uh... So, so picture the straight version of this. Okay. So this is like your triclops, but you know, a full roll. So maybe 36 frames if it's, you know, if it's, uh, uh, 
or 15 frames if it's 645 or whatever. So the straight version is like a long board. Film is just stretched out straight in there. You just, it'd be easy to set up. You just stick the roll in one end and there's like a hook and you just pull the string and it pulls the whole piece of film all the way out into its long slot. Uh, but with one with a camera like that, you could actually make a whole bunch of them. And so you could make an array that would shoot, you know, 36 by 36. And your idea of the sequential shutter could create a thing where this one camera. We could we could finally determine whether a horse's feet leave the ground. Exactly. <gasps> only problem. Is yes. Being, but... Only problem is because it's pinhole. I think we're going to we're going to be filming. Uh, we're going to make pinhole cinematography of it has to be things like slugs snails <laughs> uh but also you know Turtle. the light moving through a day um so there are uh, lots of okay. slow subjects you know Ethan, or clouds Ethan, passing I overhead wager, i wager that a slug does not lift all four feet off the ground <laughs> as it moves in full gallery. yeah but I, okay. I think a tortoise might a <laughs> yes, right. Maybe, okay. maybe maybe well, a drugged we... tortoise or bright lights. If you use bright lights, <laughs> so this is a step towards pinhole cinematography. Um, I mean, it's been done, but there's a different way to do it that you'd get a lot of control because yeah. depending on the clockwork or whatever you use to make the sequential shutters uh, go, um, you could make it. You know, it's basically time lapse photography with pinhole uh, would be a way to do it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that, that those are, um, some interesting ideas. Um, you know, you, you talk about, <laughs> uh, being limited to the six feet of, uh, of a 36 exposure, 35 millimeter frame, but well, you know, they do sell, they do foot sell rolls <laughs> and scotch tape. So, so, um, <laughs> You know what? What's the diameter on a hundred feet? Um, sorry. Um, uh, circle formula. You want um, the uh, half radius or the the half circumference? So so wait a minute. Are we gonna run film all the way around the the equator? I mean, what what's going on here? This could be a collaborative thing. Oh, I don't know what for area <laughs> or diameter. You, it's, you make it's it. high D for the circumference, right? So if if you divide the circumference, which is the length of film, by pi, right? So a hundred. Let's say let's call pi three for ease of use, right? You divide a hundred feet by three is thirty feet. Okay, it's fifteen. Thirty foot Fifteen point nine two. Fifteen point nine two. Oh, radius. radius. Yep. Yeah. So thirty two. Um, you know, or 30, 31 and a half. And yeah, almost. basically you could make a big hoop skirt for my van then. Yeah. And drive around. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what a disaster. <laughs> okay. I'm saying, um, okay. So if you buy, um, ultra fine extreme and a hundred foot roll, you can get the hundred, speed ultra fine extreme for about 40 bucks shipped uh for a hundred foot roll uh i'd pay 40 bucks for you know one day shooting on that now developing is good to be you but you know they've got 35 millimeter movie developing techniques yep um that would be essentially the same thing wouldn't it 
And I want to stack the rings up instead of having a hundred foot diameter circle. So if you stacked oh. up rolls of film uh, to create a cylinder, um, okay. it, would, it would make the mechanics a lot easier to deal with too. Um, Let's say three three rings, so a thirty three feet. Have, is, have you guys is five point is a is a ten foot diameter of five. Right. Have you guys seen the developing tanks for like Minox or sixteen millimeter that like they're a sort of like a, a spiral uh, along something that looks like a soda can? No, but that sounds cool. Yeah, you might be able to go around a few times on you know only a five foot diameter uh <laughs> right but let's say you stack up like you know six rolls of of 35 millimeter um you've got a camera the pinholes it's not going to make much difference that they're a few inches higher than you know than mm-hmm. the next shot and you could uh you can basically go around one circle then the next circle then the next circle and you could do the staggered shutter thing all kinds of ways it would be kind of like the principle of a music box you know where you have a the uh, the pin the pinholes are spaced apart in a pattern um, or the shutter holes are spaced apart in a pattern that would turning slowly would expose one after the other. Do, do you know what I'm, does that make sense to you? The way a music yeah. box is a cylinder with little. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump forward a little bit. We've taken the picture. Um, we've, it, it can either be inward or outward. I don't think it matters. Yes. What is our gallery presentation of this? Um, if they're outward, I think that we have a five foot, um, five foot diameter, or excuse me, a ten foot diameter uh, cylinder with transparencies of each of the frames around. Yes, and if you're pointing um, outward, if you move the, if you rotate yeah. the cylinder of film, then you have a fixed frame, and you're doing like a true cinema effect. If you rotate yeah. the camera, you're creating a series of panoramas, which is a lot more complicated to deal with. So the idea of having the carousel of film ro- rotating within uh-huh. front of a fixed camera yeah. is easier to, you know, to kind of grok what you're doing. Yeah, or, or we could make right. something like a zoetrope or like a zoopraxiscope. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. But I also really like the idea of pointing inward. If you made a, a big enough radius that you could stand inside this cylinder, right, and you could uh, either turn on a turntable yourself and, you know, and then you're truly dancing in the circle of your own delight now. And we okay. would, you could put a really bright overhead light to help with the pinhole thing um, and and create this kind of you'd go inside it and. <laughs> dance around or put your model in there and have them dance around slowly okay we just have one <laughs> okay what one about more this question to what, answer. what if i we, just scanned everything and just put them on instagram oh you could do that but that would be i i think that that would be a much lesser presentation well it all depends we, on the subject i mean yeah you know, um if, if you're I, doing something that's a long time delay sequence it might be a lot easier to deal with looking one image at a time uh, yeah um uh, the the biggest question is which one of us is gonna kill our wife's suitor uh, in order to yeah okay so so I'm not, I'm seeing uh, as a so that may bridge land- illusion when... no no a <laughs> land a landscape illusion I mean landscape uh, version of this would be like you know making a pinhole Koyaanisqatsi I mean that's definitely would be great in New, in New Mexico when you have a little weather you know. With maybe, uh, I remember I remember watching 
you know, you could see far enough around Taos that you could see an entire thunderstorm off in the distance performing like almost like, you know, a bunch of elephants. I mean, you yeah. weren't in the thunderstorm. The thunderstorm was way over there dancing around the mountains. It was, a you know, a beautiful bunch of sky yeah. to play with. So this kind of camera would be incredible where you are, Ethan. Uh, so who who is going to get Philip Glass to score our installation? That's the question. Well, it, weirdly, my <laughs> my sister lives directly across the street from Philip Glass in Lower Manhattan. Oh, if only she could now go and the knock on his door. The calls to you, Nick. She's not yeah, allowed. There. She's not allowed to leave her. Apartment. I know. <laughs> uh, and and I'm sure that's the only thing that's keeping us from getting that uh, getting Philip Glass Growing into up, this I, project. I had a friend who lived across the street from Annie Leibovitz, and I was uh, so jealous, but he never. Uh, never said hi and never they were neighbors in, never appeared in a photograph either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did not Okay, so I've been listening to Classic Lenses podcast a lot lately, and recently Perry G's gotten all excited about uh, trying a very like wide range of lenses on his uh, Pentax 6.7. So that takes six by seven negative, and he's putting everything from you know little single lens reflex 35 millimeter camera lenses to you know old uh, medium format lenses, you know from folding cameras, just a really wide range of of wrong lenses on it and the the reason he can do this is of course because the six seven has a built-in shutter and it's got an awkwardly long uh flange back distance because of the giant mirror in there but it doesn't really matter he just says does whatever the lens can do you know if it's a if it's a uh, if it's a 35 millimeter lens then you just use it for close shots or whatever um but it's it really really compelled me to get the heck going and make my old my little baby speed graphic into the universal medium format camera because that thing will have a really short flange back flange back distance and i'll be able to try a ton of lenses on it uh because it has a shutter so i think that's making a media a really kind of all-purpose medium format camera with a shutter in it that you can put just about any lens within reason on could be just super fun and so that's really got me encouraged to try that. That sounds uh, pretty interesting, but um, what is, what's your minimum flange focal on that? What can uh, you, I'll have to run in the other room and get my notebook, but it's surprising. It depends short. how much he cuts off with his saw. Exactly. I'm uh, gonna, okay. When you saw off the front of a baby speed graphic, it it's quite short. The, the, Shutter doesn't take that much space up between the film. Okay. Um, so I'll be yeah, cutting. It becomes it. a fetus speed graphic. Right. Ah. Exactly. Well, anyway, you know, it's it's cut way down. And I was doing some calculations, which I've now forgotten, but it will work with uh, I'll, any medium format lens out there. 645, everything, you know, everything from 645 up um, fits on it so you know mamiya 645 or pentax 645 lenses go on there with room to spare um and the other thing about all these system lenses is they've already got a helical so they're missing the shutter but everything else is there um 
it's it's going to be super fun and it will work with a lot of 35 millimeter lenses they may not quite hit infinity in a lot of cases but not that far off so they'll be actually usable and of course macro stuff will be easy too so uh, it's a lot of fun and it's sort of the hang-up you get with a lot of i mean a lot of these lenses that that, that what we've been talking about for years is making a good shutter, but that's really actually pretty hard. And this shutter already works mm. great. I mean, it it's accurate. I've tested it, and it's just fine. And it's all wood. It's super easy. So what I'm going to make is a different lens boards for it, and each lens board will give the correct register distance for whatever bayonet mount is on that board. So it'll also be very easy to switch from one uh, system to another because you just change the front. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. As yeah. much as I dislike modularity in general, I think that's a really clever way to go about doing it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a ready it's a ready-made shutter and it's a simple camera. I mean, it's just a box, you know. It's it's uh it's easy to use. It's small. It's kind of how I feel about my Sony A7, you know. It's right. like I got all these adapter rings, you just stick yep. it on whatever lens you're shooting with. Yep. All and right. I mean, and it's super easy to bayonet mounts with this design. You just you just find whatever um uh, extension the smallest extension ring that goes with that uh, system and you just glue it into a piece of wood and stick it on the front and you know super or easy. 3d print it well whatever i like wood because it's a wooden camera and I, I have the tools for that i don't have a 3d printer so <laughs> and i've Not been doing yet. a i've been doing a bunch of woodwork lately i've got a thickness planer so you know making very small adjustments are, is easy for you know in terms of thickness so distance so i can shave things down till they fit just right and work right and it's a it's easy to work with wood so that's that oh. and i saw someone else made it some other uh reference to what perry's been up to um oh yeah yeah so i uh simon gave me perry's address i have been lagging but this is something i finally finished all my orders this morning and i will run it off the printer um i've got to make perry a never before tested uh color change x-pan grip in hot pink and purple uh, and maybe I'll make him a a beautiful uh, hot pink and purple um, Pentax six seven grip while I'm at it. <laughs> and I think <laughs> you're going to need, I think you're going to need to include a a mask so that he can actually use this thing in public uh, safely, so that no one will recognize him. Uh. <laughs> that that gets rid of my promotion angle. Ah, I see. All right. Well. Um, you'll then always you'll got have, a scheme going. You'll have to get him to, to shoot it in the safety of his apartment then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've had a bunch of uh, requests for cameras through my website. Um, some are great requests and some are terrible requests. And sometimes I make uh, cameras that are even medium requests. Um, and this, well, I've been thinking about it because I just made one. And also because we were talking about Perry and Nick putting uh, the quote wrong lenses, which I think are the right lenses on on their cameras that were not designed for it. And so I've I've actually had this request 
maybe three or four times from different people. Um, and I've always thought this is not a good camera. Um, it, it doesn't make sense. That's the wrong lens for this camera. And what the request was is, can you make a camera dactyl OG four by five that takes Mamiya press lenses, right? Because I already make the Mamiya press lens mounts for homemade camera builders. And I make the four by five cameras and I make the homunculus and the Bronco pan, which have um, Mamiya press mounts. And so people have thought like, Oh, it would just be easy to slap the Mamiya press lens mount on it. And I thought, well, not so easy, still a day's worth of drafting and, prototyping and testing, whatever. But also, you know, the Mamiya press lenses don't really cover four by five. And I had a little bit of free time the other day. I had been running my printers nonstop for over a week, catching up on orders. I have five cameras and eight grips and a few butter boxes to go out today uh, after the podcast. But anyway, I had a little bit of free time and I had put off um, this one customer um, and photographer from Germany for a while, and I finally had his cameras done. He ordered a uh, OG and some um, uh, Mamiya Press and RB mounts for cameras he was building. And I said, you know, okay, if you can wait like another week for me to ship your cameras, I'll I'll give this thing a try. And so I made a new mashup camera, which is the rear and grip of an OG. And it's one solid block like a homunculus with a homunculus uh, Mamiya press lens mount on it. And I'll take some pictures of it so we can show it on the, the show notes. But it is the most solid camera I've ever built. It probably weighs, I don't know, two and a half pounds. It's, I mean, yeah, what's just, the print time on that thing? Uh, <clears throat> the body takes 30, 35 hours. Wow. Um, it is big, right? And it's it's got much more uh, shell wall thickness than a normal um, OG 4x5 because um, I needed to add some shell thickness um, at the front end so I could trim the, um, the lens mount to have the perfect uh, infinity flange distance registration so that the, um, the focusing helical on the Mamiya press lenses would be uh, registered correctly. Um, okay. yeah, so it's, hey, can, can I derail you for just a second and we can, uh, we can take this out if, um, if it's something that, that you don't want to discuss, mm-hmm. but I'm, I, I want to know what your, um, what, what's your experience on dropping a plastic camera? Cause I've, I've dropped the, um, the Kraken 612, um, and, and I just want you to say dropping, a dropping one of your cameras versus dropping a, um, you know, an eighties SLR, an eighties metal yeah. SLR or, or an, or nineties plastic SLR. Okay. So the first cameras that I made, the four by five folding field camera from the Kickstarter before there was camera before I was on this podcast, sort of the, the first 3d printed camera. You could drop that from six inches and probably break some screws and things. And I, you know, people were getting use out of them, but it was really not a camera to use every day. And I did not like that. Right. I, I have some design principles that, you know, some people may or may not agree with. And we'll, we'll talk about this later, but um, I want to design something that has only features that are functional that can be used every day. 
that's um, super durable and um, that, you know, there's no better option on the market for less money. Right. I, I would like right. uh, mine to be the clear good value. Although, you know, I, I would like to make some money on these things and some things are just not worth offering because you can just go out and buy a better one. Like uh, I've been trying to 3D print some pens and it just doesn't make sense for me to sell them because I'd have to sell mm-hmm. a pen for $15 and you can buy a perfect pen from AliExpress for $2 if you have 80 days to wait for it. Anyway, <laughs> my experience dropping anything newer. So the OG, the homunculus, the Bronco pan, and this new one, um, I have thrown them on a cement floor and they just bounce and laugh. Um, uh-huh. that being said, with, with know, or without a lens, without attached, a lens that does right. so my buddy dropped a, uh, Bronco pan with a 65 on it. We were drinking in my workshop and I should have known better. Um, and the Bronco pan is totally fine. It's the one I still use. Uh, that lens needed to be replaced. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, and there's a reason why, and I'm not doing this for advertising purposes. I'm, I'm doing it for your experience versus my experience purposes that, you know, just like any camera with these lenses, the lens is the delicate part. The, the body is, is just as durable as an, an 80s camera uh, or, a, or let's say a 90s plastic camera. Way more durable um, than a 90s plastic camera. Yeah. I was um, once skateboarding in high school and I was going to the train and I saw this hot girl from my high school and I like turned and uh-huh. waved and then flew off my skateboard in front of her <laughs> and cracked three cameras in my backpack. It was a Nikon N8008, which I think I still have with the cracked prism and some duct tape and Zorky uh, 4, which that was the end of it. And I can't remember what other camera, but they were just and- all destroyed. And in hindsight, she it didn't didn't matter because, no. you know, she didn't like you. She probably liked you even worse after you fell. Oh, for um, sure. So, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the moral of the story. It has nothing to do with the cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I didn't mean to hijack your uh, no, your discussion. You know, this new camera, I, but... I mean, everybody hates Chad, my camera reviewing, alter yeah. ego, but you know, yeah. so a lot of people think that plastic cameras are really delicate, right? Because it's plastic, whatever. But, you know, these are they're like I make them beefier and bigger than they need to be to do the camera job. But, you know, I also take things backpacking. I also, you know, destroy the heaviest leather boots I can find by sliding down mountains and things. Yeah. And so I, I think I'm going to do a. Uh, a Chad's camera review where I run over some of my cameras with the truck. And I'm, you know, I don't know that I can take my 5,000 pound van and run over a homunculus and it will live. But also I don't know that it won't. I do know that at the end of the video, Chad will not live. Uh, from <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I've been thinking about this as like, what, what is a funny way to get across the idea that these things are like nearly indestructible. Um, Another thing that I, I've been really digging is acrylic focusing screens, right? They're not as nice to use as a glass focusing screen for sure. But, you know, the way I use them, I have not broken one once, which is yeah. crazy because I have broken, I don't know, 30, 40 uh, glass focusing screens over the last 20 years. Now, that's um, a really big plus. And, you know, they are decent. They're, it's not like they're bad. 
you they're know, not bad, but they're just not as good as glass. Yeah. Like glass is nice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way that we use a lot of these cameras is much more casual, and like we're not sitting there sweating and scrutinizing every bit of the screen with a loop. You know, we're we're just wanting a good sense of the focus and composition. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's also uh, dead cheap. You know, um, uh, although glass glass itself isn't expensive. It's just, um, you know, yeah, for me, get, you know, the cutting glass is, yeah. Well, so well also a, ca- a camera with, uh, right, right, but a, a camera without movements, it, you don't need to see every bit of the screen. You just need to be able to frame and the middle is pr- plenty bright to focus. So you're good. Are we with that as an out? Um, wait, so I, I also... Oh. I haven't named this thing yet, and maybe we can come up with a good name. Graham has been naming my naming his cameras in my style of, I think we are the only camera makers that come up with the most ridiculous names that we can come up with. <laughs> and I've been thinking of like, what are, what is a good, you know, I was thinking about calling it the mule because it's just like a super like thick block of plastic, right? It's, it's very okay. durable and kind of ugly. I love I love the concept of a mule. But, um, but also you know. I was thinking about like it's it's clearly like the homunculus and the OG got together and had a had a love child. And maybe, you know, I, I could use something that's like a historical mashup animal like the Sphinx, which is too elegant. But oh, maybe the jackalope. You're, you're, yeah. you're making a jackalope. I don't know. <laughs> jackalope. When you just when you described it, I thought javelina. Hmm. Yeah. The Havelina is pretty sleek. I like them. They're beautiful. Yeah. You don't think it's pretty enough to be a Havelina? No. I think yeah, I like that name or the peccary, but um, this is this is way more like it's it's very brute. I was thinking like a bullfrog. What is like a short, fat, uh, stupid looking animal that is very good at what it does? I was thinking about the honey badger. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Armadillo. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I yeah. almost called the original folding camera the armadillo because it folded up like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. And then also, you know, while you were thinking about that, Graham, you said you wanted to have this conversation. and I wanted to hold it for the uh, the uh, the podcast we were talking earlier. Uh-huh. Made me a very generous offer, which I, on the one hand. Uh, don't want to take you up on because it's against my design philosophy. And on the other hand, from a business standpoint, and because it's fun to work together, I do want to take you up on, which is that, you know, um, one of my biggest design principles is that I don't add anything to a camera that doesn't help it do its job. Right. So every detail on the camera has something to do with the geometry of the camera or the lens or the film or fitting in your hand or being very durable or, or your your printers requirement. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, Graham, you brought up, uh, the Goodman one, which I think is like a way less durable, more fiddly camera than the homunculus. Um, but it looks quote cooler to most, like it's got, Mm -hmm. you know, speed lines and indentations and (laughs) campers. It's a more male masculine design than Uh my fillets and rounded edges and, uh, beefy bulkiness. 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know though. Your your cameras look lovely in the way that work boats do. You know, tug boats and fishing <laughs> yeah. boats, and especially when they were sort of the the cheaper models that used to be made. Uh, you know, like a like a Chesapeake Bay Sharpie or something, where there was a lot. It was all about practical. You know, practical lines, you saving on wood, holding a lot of fish, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know what I I love boat wise is the Carolina skiff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Useful. Not a line on that boat that doesn't have a real reason to be there. Mm-hmm. Then again, beautiful like wooden, you know, teak and mahogany boats are not bad either. But that's not the yeah, boat I would build. Yeah, and I would love a Chris Craft, um, uh, you know, 1950s wood speedboat from, you know, the Finger Lakes. Um, that no, you be... no, you wouldn't. They are a total pain in the ass to maintain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and if and if I'm going to spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars on that, I'm also employing somebody to the, to maintain the, it. Yeah, the varnish so, monkey, right? Wait, Graham, have you All been right. to the Finger Lakes? No, I'm I I have. Just, I've, no. I've sailed on the Finger Lakes in the dark. <laughs> Me too. Drunk? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I, I capsized kayaks uh, drunk in the Finger Lakes. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I we also got, spent a lot of time rowing on them. Well, this guy we knew, this young guy who was an accountant in upstate New York. We lived in upstate New York for three years, my wife and I. And uh, he had a big fiberglass sailboat on a Finger Lake. And he just like said, let's go sailing. And took us out in the middle of the night. And we tacked up and down this lake, basically sailing until... You could see the people's, you know, the, what they were watching on TV and then tacking, you know, because uh-huh. it was pitch dark, yeah. you know, and there were houses hey, along the banks. Hey, Nick, do you remember which lake it was? I think it was the pretty much the farthest west towards Rochester. I don't remember which uh, which lake it was. That's Cuca. Yeah. It was that in that area anyway. Yep. Yeah, so boats are a great inspiration for camera design, but that's for another. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, we're talking about the aesthetics of the camera versus the functionality of the camera. And um, so those fit together. They don't have to be. You know, they don't have to be opposed. Well, I mean, they 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 don't have to be. I would say my aesthetics are. I I like. I really love Bauhaus stuff, right? I think my aesthetics are. hand in hand with uh the function but also maybe you know people like deodorant that says extreme with an x and Uh speed lines on the deodorant bottle and you know ribbed gatorade bottles like and and leatherette um yeah but so bauhaus started out from a craft tradition and early bauhaus stuff was, was simple but quite beautiful and then it slowly morphed and transformed into this other thing where a certain amount of ugliness, in my opinion, was injected so that people would know immediately that it must be efficient. You wouldn't make something that ugly unless it well, was saving money or energy right. or something. You so know? I, I have seen that that transition in the Bauhaus style, but I think that transition has less to do with like what they wanted it to look like than their manufacturing process. So like Bauhaus started in an arts and crafts tradition because that's how they were making things. But then they went sure. into sort of industrial processes of steel stamping and injection molding and, you know, um, I think, I think some, I think they, it, I think some of it, some of that ugliness and clumsiness was gratuitous and intentional. I don't, 
I think it went the pendulum swung beyond what you're talking about. But that's, you know, over the whole cycle, you, you know, um, there was so, there was a cool time in the middle where some of the brutalist stuff actually looked pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, so um, the the three of us should collaborate on a camera. Uh, we'll figure out the function, then we'll figure out the design. And I think we should bait, base it on brutalist. Um, so it will all be uh, created out of poured concrete that has a... <laughs> Um, you know, a certain gray to it, um, that looks really good on a rainy day. And, uh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe that's going to have to be the wheel, a wheelbarrow camera for sure. We could do, we could do Jugend style. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really, um, think that there's something about the aesthetics of a camera and everybody, you know, I mean, they're, they're the cameras that are so ugly. People love them, you know, like the Mamaya press camera. Um, uh-huh. uh, yeah, a lot of people. Um, That's probably know, the, the most brutalist of all of the, of all the brutal. Sure. Cameras. No, I'm with you on that. No, the the Mamiya press is like a real Ungapachka of a camera. Do you guys know that word? No, I don't. no. Ungapachka is like a Yiddish word where uh, you like have something that's pretty good and then you add one more thing and it gets worse. And then you add one more thing, it gets worse. It's like not knowing when to stop, right? The, uh, the Mamiya yeah. Press. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, it's not brutalist. Um, right? It's like they made yeah. a camera that was pretty good and then they added every feature they could possibly think of until they just had like the craziest mishmash of a camera, which I love, but um, they did not think about like, what is the final camera we're going to make? They, I think they were just like, we have this camera. Let's add a, you know, rangefinder to it. Let's add a, a back bellows. You know, the, I, so I am definitely going to build a camera based on the name Ungapashka. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no question that's happening. <laughs> yeah. I think I ordered an Ungapashka roll at, um, uh, at the sushi bar the last time, or maybe that was the borscht. Actually, so so I have one of the original early uh, Mamiya Press cameras. I have the G, Model G, and that thing is brutalist and it is ugly, I have to say. It's definitely a homely camera. They got better later. The, the, the more common models that came out towards the end are definitely better looking. Um, but yeah, they're also in Ungapashka. Uh, the Universal doesn't have the the you know gratuitous bellows on the back, and it has pretty nice lines, but it's just a big you know it's just a huge box that's awkward and yeah yeah or or the other um thing a uh, bit of design if you guys know um uh the street fighter um uh crowd sourced crowd designed uh rally car um that's uh where everybody got you know there there'd be a working group for the suspension and there was a working group for the uh cockpit and all that type of thing and they made the ugliest damn thing in the world um so so it's it's worth it's worth looking at there's also the kind of pompidou center approach which is the argus c3 where you put the works on the outside and uh and that's yeah and that can be really fun um and also in a way practical like I often wish that the shutter mechanism was on the outside of the camera so you could fix it without having to take the, all those tiny screws out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
I mean, the, yeah. so we've talked about this in the past, but there's, there's, you know, there's the, uh, the, the practical, easy to fix camera versus the thing that just looks like a smooth, featureless brick and everything's hidden away inside and hard, hard to get to and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I called it the na- wrong thing. It's called the Rally Fighter and it's local motors. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, and then, and then so, for homemade yeah. ca- cameras, there's a whole other category, which is the repurposed object. And that can be super fun because yeah. if you make a camera out of something else that's recognizable, uh, then it's going to carry that whole, like whatever that whole baggage is with it. And that's, right, that's like another. a pineapple or a block of cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those are extreme examples, but you can you can find things that are a little more, uh, you know, uh, reasonable. I mean, che- cheese cameras have you know, there's problems with them, but they get mice. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. So a little while ago, I was talking about that baby graphic camera and you guys asked me about the flangeback distance. So theoretically I could cut it down to 43 and a half millimeters, but then I need to add on some thickness for, uh, the flange mount and the lens board. So probably that the, you know, it, it would be a little longer than that, but I was looking up flangeback distances and starting with M42 at 45 and a half, it's probably possible by taking a, you know, a couple millimeter sheet of aluminum and tapping it out to take M42, I could get uh, infinity focus with M42 lenses, Pentax K, Contax, CY, Olympus, Nikon F, T-mount. So there's actually a bunch of 35 millimeter lenses that you could make focus to infinity on a baby graphic by making a really compact lens board. And, and you could, you know, you're going to get an image circle in and, um, uh, of with vignetting, but that can be part of the, part of the appeal. Well, that's uh, only, that's a only an infinity and all those systems include, uh, shift lenses, which would have big enough image circles to cover at least oh, okay. six four five or six by six. So you yeah. could actually probably use quite a few 35 millimeter lenses that are commonly available. Uh, okay. Oh. Okay. Are you going to roll film this or are you going to sheet film it? So the the, ba- the baby graphic um is it's perfect for using roll film backs. Um yeah. and I have okay. I have uh, 645, 6x6, 6x7 and 6x9 backs for that. Okay. Uh, already. So it's extremely versatile. Yeah. And there are yeah, there are sheet film backs for it as well, of course. Okay. Ethan, uh, who do you want to shout out to? Who do you want to holla? So this quarantine has basically been the same as my normal life, right? I spend all day in my shop by myself on the internet. I have, you know, lunch and dinner with Laura. But one thing has really, really changed uh, what I do in a week, and it's, it's been for the worse, is... I used to spend every Tuesdays tinkering with Joe Van Cleve here in the shop or over at his house. And now we're both quarantined and it's annoying. He, he mailed me a zine the other day and a letter and I'm going to mail him some other things. Sometimes we video chat, but like really, you know, we don't hang out all day Tuesday. We video chat for 
30 minutes and then we get bored and go back to whatever other dumb stuff we've been up to. But um, Joe has been making YouTube videos like like crazy during this time. I think he has an extra day for making YouTube every week um, <laughs> and he is obsessive over it. And he's made a lot of great uh, camera content. I think he just put out a video this morning that I haven't watched yet from Worldwide Pinhole Day and a bunch from the Afghan Box Camera. And yeah, it's really cool. If you watch this podcast, you're into camera building. Check out Joe Van Cleve on uh, YouTube. And the links are in the description for the show for a couple of specific cameras that we talked about. But just check out the channel. It's it's great. I'm a huge fan. All right. Uh, Nick, who who do you want to mention? Uh so um, we had a, uh, a comment from Francois Laverdure, who, who makes a lot of very cool cameras in our um, uh, Facebook group uh, discussions. And he was responding to our episode 48, where we started uh, going off about kite photography. Uh, and I was talking about that's how I'd like to fly uh, homemade cameras. And he said that uh, search for KAP, which stands for kite aerial photography, and there are lots of designs out there for gimbals so that your camera will, you know, sort of point consistently. But one of the better ones it, he mentions is called a Picavet mount or Picave mount. You'll also need a stable and heavy lifting kite. Uh, this is what he says, since the kite pulls mostly along the vector of the line and not so much vertically. So <clears throat> I think the point he's making is that to lift uh, a camera of any weight, you'd need a, a pretty powerful kite. Uh, and so he mentioned some favorites like the Japanese Rokaku and some of the larger airfoils and something called the roller kite, which is they're also very stable. So we got some uh, very useful feedback for that idea. All right. And he also cool. mentions a kite shop called Into the Wind in Colorado um, and also Kitty Hawk kites uh, as places to look. All right. Um, I don't have any, uh, anything specific other than, you know, just the general, um, you know, thanks for, uh, everybody's putting out a, um, you know, any sort of material that's new, uh, that, that you can settle my brain down and, uh, and give me a, a little bit of, uh, of, you know, laugh or, uh, just a little bit of escape. Um, uh, I appreciate any, anybody's out there, uh, doing that. So, um, with that said, how do we get a hold of Ethan? All right. I was on mute. Um, um you can find me at cameradactyl.com at cameradactyl on Instagram or Ethan at cameradactyl.com. And Nick, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, email, I think. It's the best way to reach me, which I never mentioned, but A-V-Y-N-I-C-K at gmail.com is direct. Uh, okay. I sort of notice some of the social media stuff. Um, I do monitor the uh, Flickr group and that pretty often. The Facebook group, I've been going there, but I am getting more and more pissed off and I may just bail on Facebook. It's just it's just becoming this this terrible like back eddy of it just seems like it's more closed in than ever in in the quarantine it's like a quarantine within a quarantine and i'm i'm getting really fed up with it <laughs> god so well what's I might going just, on i, I oh, might yeah. bail out of that 
Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, of course, I bailed several years ago. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm so I'm with Facebook you on that. All day, yeah. every day. Okay, that sounds good. That's the best way. Get me on Facebook. Um, well, it's been a so, short a short ride for me. I wasn't paying any attention to it for years, and it just sucked. Just this, our group, our uh, our uh, podcast group, is what got me back into you know going. Yeah, there. yeah, but it's, it's the best. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, uh, you can get a hold of me, Graham at homemadecamera.com. Uh, I am Graham Homemade Camera on Instagram, Freezer of Photons, all one word, on Flickr, uh, which I am enjoying more and more. Um, and even if there is a reduction in, in volume and traffic, that's okay, um, because mm. there's so much less bullshit on yep. it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, pardon my French, French there. Uh, there's so much less annoying other stuff that's on it. Um, so um, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, get a hold of us. We have also to thank Robbie Cribs of Soundtrap Studios. Now, there's also recording uh, software called Soundtrap. That's not that's not Robbie. Robbie is SoundtrapStudios.com and uh, go find his stuff there. Uh, and thanks, Robbie. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Robbie.